0: This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. This is C. Montgomery Burns speaking. I know you're a layabout and have no job because you're listening to 3RRR. Now get to work. Find something to do. G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1203, entitled The (laughs) Meganolodon. Our podcast title is Oh Smeg Indeed, Poddy. Now, I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And yeah, here we are. (laughs) Another week. Another week of craziness. Uh, today, I, I I've had the idea that um, we might have a little bit of a, a, a non-genre movie to have a look at that because you know we can do that occasionally. Yeah. I, I think of it as kind of like a, a sorbet, a palate cleanser.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are still also going to do a, a nice genre nugget as well, aren't we? Just oh, to not absolutely. to completely throw off the folks.
0: Yes. Yes. There's a certain giant shark movie <laughs> in the works, <laughs> just
1: uh, dying to be dissected.
0: Yes. Um, and um, essentially, uh, <laughs> congratulations to the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency for successfully landing its two rovers mm-hmm. on asteroid 162173 Ryugu, which means um, Dragon Palace in Japanese, mm-hmm. which after a Japanese folktale where... Uh, a uh, fellow travels to the palace on the back of a turtle. When he returns, he carries with him a mysterious box. So this is a sample return mission. So they've cool. been very, <laughs> very fairy tale, folkloric there. Love it. Uh, the um, Ryugu asteroid uh, being visited by the Hayabusa two. It's a, a near-Earth object and a potentially hazardous asteroid in what they call the Apollo group. And this one orbits very roughly. It's in a bit of an eccentric orbit, roughly in an orbit about 1.2 astronomical units out from the sun. And so it does uh, have a, an orbital intersection distance with the Earth, which means it gets, what we, in astronomical terms, close approaches, <laughs> uh, 95,000 kilometres out. So that's like about... Um, Uh, about a quarter of the way to the moon, Mm -hmm. that sort of distance. Mm -hmm. So it's actually within that sort of area, so it's close. It's it's, um, apparently made of nickel, iron, cobalt, water, nitrogen and hydrogen and ammonia, uh, about a kilometre in diameter. It's roughly diamond shape. And uh, it was discovered in 1999. So the probe, the Hayabusa 2, was launched in December 2014. It's an asteroid sample return mission and they deployed the first two rovers last Friday. It's got all the vehicles. It's almost like Transformer-like. <laughs> uh, it's got a larger rover called Mascot that they're going to deploy in October.
1: Mascot, that's Mascot, a good
0: name. Yeah, and a third rover next year. And the, the little rovers they've deployed now, they're only about like 18 centimetres yeah. across. Um, and they don't roll. They're hoppers. Ooh. Um, that's right, to get around the rough I guess
1: surface. rough terrain, yeah. yeah. Makes sense, makes sense.
0: In the not quite zero G, in the microgravity, they, they don't roll, they hop using a, a torque generated uh, by rotating some masses within the rover, kind of like a, uh, one of those cat toys. You know, oh, that, yeah,
1: yeah. The balls sort of with the stuff in it. Yeah. That's pretty
0: cool. It should really actually have a furry tail as well. <laughs> uh, so this is the first time they've um, been able to get a, a mission uh, making a, a successful landing on a very fast-moving asteroid body. haven't been um, uh, kicking along quite as swiftly as this one. And and I just love the idea of these little hopping robots and wonder how do you pronounce hopping vampires in Japanese? Cause <laughs> it's a Chinese thing. but uh, And I found out it's uh, uh, kayonchi So, Ooh. you know, like little hopping things running around. Oh, this is so cute. <laughs> and so um, that brings us to uh, a movie review and I haven't been able to see this one. So yes. All yours, Megan.
1: Yes. So I thought um, for our little non-genre content, which I also think is a... Uh, it, you know, there's some, a lot to talk about um, in terms of this film. So I'm going to do Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Robbie you haven't seen this, but you were interested.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very curious to see it. Uh, yeah. Uh, because, um, well, I'm looking at it from the point of view of representation matters. Yeah. And we've been over this before. It was very important for me. Even though I'm not actually um, Japanese... It was important for me to see people like Mr. Sulu, George Takai, on, mm. um, on television back in the 1960s. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, other than that, we only had like, uh, oh, God, the samurai on television and the and animes, where you couldn't really tell if they were Asian people anyway. Cause,
1: yeah, cause I anime, mean, you know. and a lot of the anime that I watched when I was growing up, we get all the dubs. They don't give yeah. us the, 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 you know, so it doesn't really feel... You don't really necessarily get the sense of that Asian necessarily.
0: Nowadays, I think of dub as being something completely different, <laughs> <laughs> it's like anime dub. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and I guess that's a good way to lead into this because it yeah. would be silly to ignore sort of the context of the film in that it's a major studio film it pretty much is an all Asian cast mm-hmm. um I think there's one scene with that has some not even characters there's one scene that involves a couple of white actors and then there's I saw a white bartender in one scene as well who stuck out because you haven't you don't really see cuz it's set it starts off set in New York There's a couple of scenes there. But then pretty much most of the film we spend in Singapore. So, obviously, um, I'm glad they didn't just cast a bunch of white people to play people that are are meant to be Asian. So, that's a good start. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of talk about it being sort of the first Western-produced big studio film with a large Asian cast since um, the time of, like, the Joy Luck Club, which was about 25 years ago, which isn't strictly true. I mean... There's been a lot, I mean, if you think about um, Letters to Iwo Jima, obviously yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that was made by Clint Eastwood, but that's obviously from the Japanese perspective, so the cast is is all Asian. Memoirs of a Geisha as well, um, and, you know, as well, Slumdog Millionaire, um, things like that. So we're not exactly talk, but oh, it's still a milestone. I say that just because I don't want it to be too inflated. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it's good to have the facts around that, but it's a pretty important milestone, I think.
0: So this is like the the my big fat Greek wedding or um, the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I shouldn't say butt there. I'll keep my butt out of it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to diss it or anything for, for <laughs> representing Asians. Yeah. Although the homogenous um, term. Asians, Of course. And
1: look, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that this is a a deep, you know, look at even... It's not even satir- satirical, really. It's not a deep and incisive view into Asian culture per se. It's fluff. It's meant to be fluff. And yeah. I think that's another important thing is if you look at some of the other movies that I've mentioned that have a largely Asian cast, a lot of them fall into specific types of genre. And this is maybe the first real example of an Asian rom-com that's been yeah. made for a Western audience. So... but, But...
0: Oh, there's the butt again. But, and, (laughs) and, here's the other thing apart from the um, anime and the, uh, and the samurai and so on. uh, After, after I stopped being a kid, I was watching Hong Kong action films, um, Godzilla movies, uh, good God. Um, Japanese horror movies, uh, um, even the occasional movie that doesn't have genre interest in it from Asia (laughs) and and animation too, you know, the Miyazaki movies and stuff. So for me, it's like, but lots of movies have Asian casts.
1: I mean, I guess the thing is that's true, but in terms of something that has been made by mainstream Hollywood for a mainstream Hollywood audience, Mm. um, in terms of of that type of thing, I think it's pretty... Yeah, it's it's still like it still sticks. It's
0: out. a very. It does, and it's a and it's a very specific those Oscar are, category. A lot they?
1: of those are Asian <laughs> films as well. Like even of a lot course. of, um, you know, like Hong Kong martial arts films. Yeah, of course. But so
0: what, what I am what I am sort of alluding to here is that it's,
1: it's there if you want it. It's yeah, always I mean, been available. You no, know, it's not like it's <laughs> yeah. like
0: oh look, here's a film with all Asians in it. Oh exactly. my god,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have you have been able to access that since yeah. uh, you all know. Right, we'll roll on. But but I did just a little brief side note before we dig in. I mean, I think there's a, a bit of an upswell at the moment in terms of that greater representation. And it's something sure. that's meant a lot to me. Like what you mentioned about Sulu, when I was growing up, all I really wanted to see was like a teen movie where the protagonist just happened to be Asian, Yeah, but it wasn't about her Asianness. ness mm. um, And so there's a really good little Netflix um, kind of teen movie called To All The Boys I've Loved Before, which is on Netflix at the moment, which is really enjoyable. It's just a fun little nugget. And that was the movie that I always wanted to see when I was growing up mm-hmm. because it has an Asian protagonist. She's from a, a family that's sort of, her dad is white, I guess. But it's just, it's not about her being Asian. And that's, I think that's something really important. And it's the same with a movie I saw called Searching. Have you heard about that one? No. no. It's got um, John, I was about to say John Tubert. That doesn't sound right. John Cho. God, yes. (laughs) Um, He's in that, and he's the main character. It's a very good film. I would actually highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he just happens to be Asian. The family's Asian. It's not a big deal. And so I think, in terms of that, um, I think lately it's really good for me and, you know, everybody. But it means a lot to me to see, you know, some more people being cast as uh, in sort of headline roles or as main characters. And,. Oh. Not as a martial arts teacher. Or
0: a computer geek. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway. Go ahead,
0: computer geek, Megan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm really doing a lot for the uh, stereotype, aren't I? All right, so let's dig into this a little. So it is based on a book by Kevin Kwan, which I have not read. So from what I understand, it's based somewhat in his experiences. He lives in the US and has, has done for quite a while, but has lived in Singapore for a time. Um, that's where his family is from, from what I understand. So it's based on his book, Crazy Rich Asians. There's a couple of sequels um, to that which the second movie has already been green-lighted, China Rich Girlfriend. So they will be making <laughs> another one. And, yeah, so based, it's based on this book, the quality of which I cannot vouch for. But in terms of the film, I did... And it was just straight-up delightful. Like, it's it does all of the um, things that a romantic comedy should do. So...
0: And it's directed by?
1: It's directed by John Chu. Now, he did G.I. Joe Retaliation. Oh, my God. I know, I know. <laughs> but he's also di- He's also done a lot of the Justin Bieber documentaries, which, I mean, Rob, I don't know if you've seen those. But, uh, Who? Yeah, exactly. But I will say... And let's never speak of this again. I did see Never Say Never, and it wasn't bad. It was quite a good doco, and it's from very early days. So he's done three of Beebe's docos. He also did Step Up to the Streets, and he did Now You See Me 2. Would you have seen that one? That's the magician one with... Um... Oh, I know the first one, but yeah, I Yes, so there is a the sequel, sequel okay. and they do replace Isla Fisher with, I think, Lizzie... I can't remember her name. Uh, so there's a sequel, and then there's also going to be a third movie that oh. he's also directing... Um, But he did not direct the first one. Uh, Now, one of the interesting things is that he did get an offer from Netflix to make this and they threw Uh a lot more money at him. But he went with Warner Brothers because he wanted to show that a mainstream studio film, it could be viable and that it would be successful. Okay, Um, Which, look, I respect. Uh, So should we dig into a little bit about the basic premise? So it's a romantic comedy. Uh, There's Rachel. She's a New Yorker. She's grown up in New York. Um, Her mother is Chinese, but she's lived in New York her whole life. So she identifies as Asian American, and they dissect this a little bit, and her mother talks to her a little bit about how she she looks Asian. She has some Asian characteristics, but she is an American, and she does identify as an American. So she is dating... um, uh, a young hunk called <laughs> called Nick Young, and they meet in New York. And all she knows about him is his family's from Singapore, but he, she doesn't really know much about them. I mean, he's obviously very eligible. Uh, but then she finds out when she goes back to meet his family for a friend's wedding, uh, she does find out later that the wedding, the so-called wedding, is going to be the do of the century in Singapore and that the family is quite renowned and crazy rich, for lack of a better term. <laughs> so thus unfolds our, you know, crazy hygiene.
0: Oh, I see. I've been thinking of it as being... Um does it actually mean, is it the both meanings of crazy rich? Is Like they're rich and they're crazy or are they just crazy rich? I think
1: my interpretation of it is they're crazy rich, like so rich it's crazy, ah. not they're insane and rich. Ah,
0: thank you for explaining. More so, like
1: they're insanely rich. Yes. But maybe they allude to a little bit of, you know, craziness because obviously we're set up for a clash of culture. Um, and so let's run through the cast a little. Mm-hmm. Um, so Constance Wu plays Rachel Chu. She's our um, female protagonist, if you will. She was in Fresh Off the Boat. And I haven't really, I'm not really that familiar with her. I haven't seen her in very much, to be honest. But I think this is kind of a milestone movie for her. She's kind of paving her way into Hollywood. Similar to Henry Golding, who, pe- who plays Nick Young. Now, Crazy Rich Asians was his first film. But I also recently saw him, I've been seeing some real quality, uh, <laughs> went and saw him in A Simple Favor, which is. Um, paul feig his latest film with anna kendrick and blake lively and he plays the sort of um the husband in that so he's been in that since so he's sort of getting cast in these leading man roles which is kind of good but he has a history in he's sort of a tv host he's done a lot of travel shows and things like that so this was his first foray into acting and of course michelle yo is in this she plays eleanor young nick's mother
0: The ubiquitous Michelle yeah, Exactly.
1: So she's fantastic. So you would have loved her recently in Star Trek Discovery, of course. Uh Still no spoilers. (laughs) Um, And she's also was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, of course, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Um, And, you know, back in, she was also in Tomorrow Never Dies, Sunshine. um, And whatnot. So very familiar face there. Uh, a couple of others that are of interest. Uh, Awkwafina, she plays Pickling Lingo. I think I'm saying that wrong. She was in Oceans 8. So oh. she was the pickpocket in Oceans 8. Did you see that? Did we talk about that
0: together? I, I wanted to, but hmm.
1: it's something I didn't give it a glowing review from what I recall. Fun, but yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Anyway. And lastly, uh, I wanted to mention Gemma Chu. So she plays Astrid, who has a larger role in the second book and second movie. Um, she's actually going to be in Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I haven't done too much digging into exactly who she is in that, but she's playing a character called Minerva. Do you know that character? Dr. Minerva, mm. So mm. she's she's going to be in that. She's also in uh, Transformers The Last Night. <laughs> um and oh, but uh, you know she's been speckled throughout some some good genre tv that we're seen too she was in an episode of sherlock she was in the it crowd and she was in an episode of tenants doctor who called the waters of mars
0: oh yes yes one of the astronauts
1: so she was Mia bennett in that so mm. um so that's sort of a couple of the casts. obviously there's uh there's a large cast in that there's some fringe characters and things um that Ooh, blokes in it Oh yeah, there's some you know, <laughs> Nick has some hot young friends oh, and yeah. um things like that. So there are there are um there is a good mix. Like I think it's a it's actually a fairly big cast. Oh. So just in general, I mean it's very tongue in cheek. I think it takes a good humoured approach to what it's poking fun at in terms of the, you know the, just the sheer immense wealth of these people and it's doing it in a fun way we're not making a commentary on inequality in society this is just a see- silly fun look at exactly how rich some people are in Singapore and it goes into a little bit of why that is the case uh-huh. um I mean, I don't know that much about Singapore. I don't know if it necessarily is a very accurate portrayal. And I think from what I've read, it's not very diverse. I think it wasn't received that well in Singapore because it's fairly one-sided. But that is kind of the point. It's about very, very rich people.
0: And this, this, the wedding in it or whatever the main thing is, is that really sort of spectacular in terms of?
1: Oh, yes. It's ridiculous, but it's, it's, (laughs) it's actually the tone of the wedding is very good. It manages to balance this ridiculousness that you want to laugh with a very tender moment as well. Um, And, you know, I think in terms of the tone, some might find it a bit much. I think, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It is it's shallow and it it's there's some parts of it that may be problematic but it's a rom-com like it can't do everything it is not trying to do certain things and so we shouldn't expect it to succeed at those other things okay um it's colorful it's a very good-natured ride like i said i laughed i found it quite funny um i think it's over the top but unapologetically so and i think that's what's important i think Chu knows exactly what he's doing with the film and I think he's familiar with the type of subject matter that he wants to put across. Um, And I think he does that really well. I think the execution is is pretty good. And also, you know, it hits all the right romantic comedy notes. There's a bit of a makeover sequence, like a montage. There's the wedding. There's some big parties. There's conflict between Rachel and, you know, Nick's very traditional family-oriented, you know, background. And, you know, there's a teary moment. At the end, I teared up. There was oh. definitely, I mean, maybe I was just in a very emotional period of my life. Um, but it just, it really, I feel like it hit a lot of good notes. Um, there are some side stories that I didn't feel resonated, but when I was digging around a little bit before um, before today, I see why that those were there because I think they play a larger role in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in general, it's, executed with extravagance and success, but excess, but I think at its core it's quite genuine and it's a lot of fun. I think it makes some interesting points about family and sacrifice, but it also knows that you want to get to that classic rom-com ending and so it does everything it can to get you there. I think both Henry Golding and Constance were really likable as the two main characters. I think that they had a good chemistry. I also think Awkwafina, she's obviously the comic relief role and um, she does a great job. I really like her, and the soundtrack is also very good. So there's, um, they do some excellent covers of pop songs with Chinese lyrics by, um, Asian singers. And I
0: was, I was wondering about that. There has yeah. there have to be songs. And,
1: and it was, and it was great. It works really well. Um, I'll play one in a little bit. But I think all of that. It really just gave that nice mishmash of, you know, it's it's just the right pace. It's the right tone, and just. One quick thing um, just to round everything up. One thing I did like, not for the reasons it might seem, is that some of the male roles are quite objectified, which I think is notable because <laughs> obviously there's a history in um, of Asian men not really being portrayed as being desirable or appealing, and that's not just me saying that. Like, it's kind of a well-noted thing in pop culture, Um and I have an interesting quote here from Eddie Huang who is on from Fresh Off the Boat. He wrote for the New York Times and he wrote, attractiveness is a very haphazard dish that can't be boiled down to height or skin colour. But Asian men are told that regardless of what the idyllic maire, mirepoix, is or isn't, we just don't have the right ingredients. I told myself that it was all a lie, but the structural emasculation of Asian men in all forms of media became a self-fulfilling prophecy that produced an actual abhorrence to Asian men in the real world. So I think that's very... There's a very, very good Vox article that talks a little bit about that. And so that's just a bit of a side note, but I actually think... um, I think that's also a good message to take from the movie is that it's kind of showing, you know, Henry Golding is a total babe. And I think it's just going into, I mean, it's just, it seems so ridiculous, but I just wanted to make a little note about that as well. So, yeah, silly, but it was fun.
0: In terms of um, uh, a zero G rating of Chi Meow Yaxu, which is yeah now, nah, maybe.
1: Ooh, I think it's a yeah. What's a yeah? She. She. I think, yeah. It's solid. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a romantic comedy. Don't go in expecting to get wider cultural messages, but afterwards just be like, I'm glad they made this movie. Oh. So. I
0: yeah. will go and see it. See ah. if you can. If can convince you, me.
1: I think you'll like it. It's quite enjoyable.
0: It, it was only um, timing that made it difficult for me to go and see.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, um, I think it's going to hang around because from what I, I know, it's done It's done pretty well. So. Oh
0: hi i'm george takei and i play admiral sulu in star trek welcome aboard the starship zero g admiral hey a guy can dream can't he <laughs> all right now uh we're just gonna have a little bit of a catch up with some marvel stuff Excellent. Um, uh, not only in the last uh, week has the Captain Marvel trailer, the first one, dropped.
1: Yeah, they're trotting all of the promo oh. stuff out now, which is very exciting.
0: I love the trailer. It was so cool.
1: Oh, she's such a good choice.
0: Brie Larson. Yeah. As, as Carol Danvers. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll unpack too much of that trailer, except that it looks like she's going to be one of Earth's mightiest heroes and Offworld <laughs> too. I just hope that, they, that she has her flurken. In it, which is one of her, the alien cat that she has in the comic book. <laughs> Probably not.
1: <laughs> Good okay. Hope. Uh,
0: but other news, I mean, and not only have we got that one, the, the first, the, the Doctor Who trailer dropped as well with Jodie Whittaker.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so Excellent. Cool. Uh, anyway, um, this is kind of a, a in the rumour category. It's been reported in variety, but mm-hmm. uh, that um, with the new Disney streaming channel. Yep. That they're working on. Um, they're thinking of doing some short streaming shows centred on characters like Loki and the Scarlet Witch with the actual actors from the movies playing those characters.
1: What? Yeah. Really? Well, you
0: know, it's the Disney's new streaming channel, so they're trying to... Push it. but This is a rumour at the moment. It's sort of been reported, but it hasn't Marvel hasn't said anything about it yet.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: On something that is definitely coming, 19th of October, we've just had uh, Iron Fist Season 2. Yes. Uh, which I thought was very good. Um, on the 19th of October, Daredevil Season 3 drops. Mm-hmm. Presumably Matt Murdock is still alive.
1: Well, presumably. I mean, otherwise that is a very odd series. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, they could have somebody else playing Daredevil. Um, now And also ABC, that's USABC, mm-hmm. uh, have got a production commitment to a new series, a new Marvel series that will feature female Marvel, su- Marvel superheroes and its um, creative director is uh, Ellen Heinberg who wrote the screenplay for Wonder Woman.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, I'm interested.
0: It's still all under wraps. That would be a great way of introducing um, other characters from the Marvelverse. Well, I'm all sort of waiting for She-Hulk.
1: Oh yeah, that would be yeah, that would be
0: pretty. Nice. <coughs> but here's um. Oh. Oh, what was that? Sorry. <laughs> that was that was uh, She-Hulk's theme song. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Heinberg's tef- television credits include um, Party of Five, Sex and the City, Gilmore Girls, The OC, Grey's Anatomy, and Scandal.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Good range of A- uh, TV shows. Again,
0: then. Marvel and Disney. Disney.
1: Not mm. saying much
0: about this as yet. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very looking forward to all of that. All of that content. Okay. The Meg. Not Megan. <laughs> the Megalodon. Ah, Carcharolocles megalodon. It means big tooth. <laughs> <laughs> A prehistoric mega shark, no longer thought to be closely related to today's great white shark, yeah. but stemming from another branch of the thinny tree. Popularly known since at least the Renaissance from the remains of its large fossilised teeth, which were first thought to belong to dragons or even giant snakes. They thought better of that quite soon, actually. Uh, The Meg is thought to have lived from 26 to 2.3 million years ago, making it an early Miocene to Pliocene shark. Estimates put the creature in the 18 metres long in its top end
1: Fifty
0: nine feet. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh goodness has nothing to do with this beastie. May (laughs) if it was as big as they thought, it may be the largest fish to ever swim the oceans. Uh, But if you actually think of it as a really big great white shark, or possibly as a as a big whale shark, you go too far wrong. They also thought it to be the cause of the deaths of other fossilised sea life, including uh, early whales, based on the bite marks Ooh. and compression fractures in the fossils that indicate the dead aquatic mammals were rammed with tremendous force from below. Ooh. So you can imagine how this thing is the size of a whale. Wow. Wow. It's probably extinct.
1: I won't say
0: <laughs> definitely because the sea is large and deep.
1: We can uh, never know for sure.
0: But the uh, megalodon lived in warm coastal waters, and so probably couldn't survive in the cold and fairly nutrient-poor deep sea. It is a popular cryptozoology animal, though. You know, yep. sightings of etc. Hunt for the meg. <laughs> a- and at first, I like thought like Bigfoot. Yeah, only big fin. At first I thought the giant shark movie The Meg might have been based on Robin Brown's book, the 1982 novel Megalodon, Mm. which is a favourite casual read of mine. Its plot revolves around a freeway encounter between the big beasties of the title, assorted American and Soviet submarines, and a group of cetacean researchers who could communicate with dolphins and whales. And who tried to use said dolphins along with an orca and a sperm whale to investigate the ginormous shark incident that occurred in the novel. Wow. But, it, but it turns out it's not based on that. And there are actually, I've got a whole box of Meg fiction at home. <laughs> it's based on, well, it's had Steve Alton's 1997 novel Meg, a novel of deep terror, sort of leisurely swim swum over, you know, they're just sort of waved it in its general direction (laughs) now that book has gone to spawn eight sequels and it has kind of inspired this new movie and humongous shark movies are the large and sillier cousins of more well respectable sea monster films like steven spielberg's classic jaws and big shark movies well they're a weird mob from norayaki's you say's 1971 japanese keiju film Gamera versus zigra to the 2012 canadian spoof jurassic shark (laughs) with a large and bountiful bycatch of stinkers from the asylum studios netted within its mega shark quartet of films beginning in 2009 with mega shark versus giant octopus and riffing through assorted special guest monsters including a crocosaurus a robot mega shark submarine oh. and a giant Russian mecha warrior named Colossus. Fair enough. I must make flake out of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I We don't really need to go into Sharknado because mostly they're just normal sharks, except mm. I've just found out Sharknado 6 <laughs> is a time travel movie. and oh, no. They go back in time to try and stop. The whole shark NATO thing happening, and they go back to like the Jurassic or the Triassic or something. Uh, and in there, there you've got megalodons, so <laughs> you well. know that there's going to be a giant shark <laughs> versus a T Rex, which is worth the price of admission, you know. <laughs> Okay, The Meg is a 2018 science fiction thriller film. It's directed by John Turtle Talb. I know that name. Yes, you do. Um, he's done films like uh, Ninja, uh, Three Ninjas,
1: mm.
0: Cool Runnings, mm. um, While You Were Sleeping, Phenomenon in '96. That's the one. I,
1: no, no, While You Were Sleeping. Yeah. I used to watch that a lot as a kid. <laughs>
0: National Treasure and its sequel. Yep. Uh, and I remember him doing directing some episodes of Jericho, the J. Michael Straczynski oh, cool. uh, post-apocalyptic series. So he's got he's got a fair bit of chops in terms of that. And it's just as well because this film has been in development hell
1: mm. since like
0: the 90s or something when they first um, bought the rights of the book. So, you know, they're, they're obviously going to give it their college try now. I guess they thought that... Um, uh, with the success of the Sharknado movies, now is the time to give it a shot. <laughs> Plus, of course, you've had films like Rampage and Kong Skull Island, so it's almost like Australia, isn't it? Big things are out there. Okay, so uh, the... It's not a whole lot really to say about this film. I mean, it's, it's a, a complex plot, movie. no doubt, and <laughs> <I bet> there's <laughs> no a
1: doubt. lot of social issues. <laughs> there are actually
0: some social issues in oh, this. Oh, good. They mention um, shark fin fishing. Oh, okay. Which is a dreadful, vile practice where you just chop the fin off the shark and, and throw it back into the water but keep the fin for yeah. soup. You know, while they're alive, it's
1: just. It's not humane. It's,
0: it's, it's nothing at all. Well, actually, I'm afraid it is very human, but not humane, as you say. Um, so yeah, they've they've had this kicking around since '96, and they've just you know everybody's been connected with it, like um, Jan de Bont, Guillermo del Toro as producer, oh, wow. Eli Roth.
1: Oh, interesting!
0: Um, you know, all these sorts of people have just flown through it. But now we are, we have what it is, and this is funny. Actually, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a blurb on the uh, the setup for the film. It's um, it it's set at a, a, a an underwater research facility that has a an oil platform like uh, set up on the surface. So there's like a, a sea lab down on the bottom, mm. and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And it's next to the Marianas Trench, one of the deepest um, spots in the ocean. And uh, they will, you know, this is called the Meg. They're going to discover Megs down there. Uh, and, of course, they, like, as I said in, um, the, in the book, Megalodon, they don't clone these giant sharks from seaweed. They must have families, you know. Yeah, wow. Uh, so, you know, there's mm. probably going to be a bit, Set up. Set up, yeah. Um, and, and this uh, research facility seems to be a joint Chinese-American business multinational venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this film does really pitch to the Asian marketplace mm-hmm. as well because it has a female lead character who is not surprisingly smarter than the Jason Statham character. Blessed, so <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's the big... Um, he's the macho muscle. guy. Yeah. But he's also, he's an underwater um, rescue expert. Mm-hmm. And you think that would come in handy in a film like this, and it <laughs> will. Um,
1: Interesting. Okay, so
0: I've got that set up. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the, uh, the company. It's uh, Zao something or other. Uh, and, um, mm. and it's got a logo that reminds me of Team Zizus from The Life Aquatic. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason, uh, sorry. Stratham? Stratham. Stath- Statham, not Stratham, oh. Statham, Jason Statham. I've been it wrong
1: this whole time.
0: Uh, plays Jonas Taylor, the underwater rescue expert. He's had an encounter with um, the Meg in the past. Oh,
1: they've got history. S-
0: lived to s- tell the tale. Didn't lose his leg or anything like that, you know, which is a pity because, you know, it would have been a peg leg sort of Captain Ahab um, thing going. <laughs> Uh, he's on the beach in Thailand, and uh, when there are th- encounters with the Meg at sea again, of course they go. We need this guy. You know, I don't know why actually, because um, uh, their their main uh, marine biologist, uh, Su Yin Zhang, played by Li Bingbing, uh, <laughs> would actually be the person to go to. She outsmarts um, Jonas. Jonas, the whale, Jonah and the whale. Ah, She outsmarts him at pretty much every turning. And is there to support him in every stupid decision he makes. Like, really, really stupid decisions. But it's that kind of fun movie. Yeah. You know, if they didn't do this...
1: Then there's no movie if there's no stupid decisions. Let's all
0: just stay on dry land once we find out that there are sharks that big in the ocean.
1: No, but where's the fun in that?
0: Now, um, Bing Bing is not to be confused uh, with any other actress named Bing Bing. Um, because uh, I'm not not to be confused with um, Fan Bingbing from the X Men movies, who's kind of disappeared at the moment. A very famous actress who's oh. um, gotten into trouble with the government, apparently. Oh dear! Has a no doubt has a low social capital rating. Mm. Hey, well, yeah, as I as I say, uh, but Lee Bingbing is um, well known uh, from. Um, The Forbidden Kingdom in 2008, A World Without Thieves, which I think is where I first saw it back in 2004. Uh, Detective D and The Mystery of the Phantom Flame. Love that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Zong Kui, Snow Girl and the Dark Crystal in 2015. But she's also been in Resident Evil Retribution, another Transformers Age of Extinction alumni, and now here. And she's got a great screen presence, actually. Great. And is there a bit of a romantic chemistry between her and Jonas? Yeah, <laughs> in spite of the presence of Jonas's ex-wife.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> so you know where they're going. You know, this is a strange family. Uh, you know. <laughs>
1: so they're trotting out some of the usual their, the, themes. The
0: tropes are definitely yeah. there. It's a it's a tropical climate out there in the ocean. Uh, you know. So there's other people in here. Strangely enough, uh, Rain Wilson mm. plays the um, dodgy uh, American billionaire. We know him from The Office, um, and we've got. Um, uh, Ruby Rose Langheim playing a uh, she's an Australian uh, yeah. actress of course she's um, what is she in this she's kind of like a, a technician uh, designer um, who's in charge who, who designed the underwater base um, you know they, they've, they've actually got quite a decent cast in here I, I noticed they've got um, <laughs> the American actor comedian and rapper Paige Kennedy huh. <laughs> so I'm thinking well where do they get all these people from for this, uh, another Australian actor, Robert Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, who's in the um, the Netflix series Longmire, and was Agent um, Jones in the Matrix movies. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, our old friend uh, Masai Oka Yatta, oh, yeah, from Heroes. From Heroes, yeah. Um, he's all there for this movie. Um, and as far as it goes, it's it's. The shark looks good, mm-hmm. as it has to do.
1: I was going to say, what's the shark? It is it, it all CGI, animatronics, or...?
0: I'm, actually, I'm, I it's hard to tell now, but I'm pretty sure it's mostly CGI. Yeah. Uh, there might be one or two... Um,
1: models made Models that they
0: need for close-ups. <laughs> Ready for your close-up, Meg. <laughs> uh, and, you know, but um, it, it moves well. Uh, it doesn't look at all as cheesy as any of the Sharknado or... Um, or oh, the mega shark stuff, which all they look dreadful, really. Yeah. This one looks quite toothy. Okay. Toothsome. Um, the action just moves right along uh, all the way through the film. There's never really any dull moments in it.
1: As there shouldn't be.
0: There shouldn't be, you know, giant shark. There w- The one problem, I think, apart from several key scenes, is that the shark's so big it's hard to really... Grasp the, the scale of it.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: You know, um, it's not going to be like stomping through Tokyo or
1: yeah. There's um, no scale.
0: Climbing the Empire State Building. It does get next to ships and boats and stuff. Yeah. And once a little dog called Pippin.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> there's
0: a there's a wedding scene at a beach and there's a little dog. And, oh God. Uh, okay. It's not. Watching I, it. I, I won't spoil it. What happens? I will not spoil it.
1: <laughs> the dog wins. <laughs> yeah. Dog birth Goliath.
0: Pip and Pip and Dre. You know how dogs are really determined, like cats, to drag yeah. things out of the ocean. And it's like just like
1: tugging on a tooth.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, I thought this
0: was, this was a, this was not, it wasn't the, 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 and I think of it as a kaiju movie, a giant mm. monster movie Yeah, um, there
1: have been a lot of those lately Yeah,
0: there, there have been and that's no doubt the reason why this is swimming out there at the moment I didn't think this was absolutely dreadful, it's really, really basic, mm. popcorn movie But it yeah. is it is definitely a, a couple of notches above the the crap shark, giant shark movies Yeah <laughs> 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 um, but not that far, really. You know, the, you, you'll have fun if you watch it. You won't learn too much about the um, biology. The of historical, giant yeah. And,
1: but I mean, no one's going to see the Meg to learn more about paleontology or whatever,
0: are no, they? And they did. Um, they did try and give you some science and, in it. And I yeah. thought, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, and it all plays out pretty much exactly the way you would um, you would think it would throughout the course of the movie. The stunts are good. Oh good. Um, I really wish they'd actually. Done something like actually? Oh my god! They actually did do that. I'm just thinking of like water skiing and beyond a shark or something. Something kind of similar. Yeah. To that at one stage.
1: These are the movies where you pull out ridiculous scenarios. Yeah, and and
0: and um and I got to say that um, Statham does actually all the way through. Mm. He plays this knowingly, but with conviction.
1: Okay. You yeah. know,
0: like he's at the one stage, he's got this line, and he's on a commune. It is he's swimming out. To yeah. put a tracker on this beast, <laughs> and he says he's saying over the comm unit, "Here I am swimming towards the extraordinarily large shark." You know, so they, yeah. they actually he's, know what they're doing. He's
1: there for it, mm. I think.
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so in yeah, nah, maybe it's um, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, it is know, what it is. it is. It is what it is. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever. Of course, you've got a box of shark related books at home. I know. And I, and of course, I was, you are.
0: But I wasn't really sitting there wait, at the start of this going, please don't stuff it up. Please don't stuff it up. Because yeah. I didn't have any. There's
1: no state for game. you. <laughs> exactly. I think that's fine. Yeah.
0: Well, um, that's about it for Zero G today. Yeah. We're coming up on the hour. Um,
1: we have some tidbits in store for next week that we're yeah. thinking of doing. Should we? Give it yeah, a little give teaser. Give a teaser. I think we're going to um, crack into Maniac, which is on Netflix at the moment. Yes. Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the new offering from Carrie Fukunaga,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who we all like. So it should be moody and depressing, probably. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it looks pretty psychedelic, so that'll be good.
0: And we have a, an author interview uh, of a, an author about uh, of a, of a historical um, mm. book about uh, Rome versus um, the Celts in uh, in Britain.
1: That's right, up your street. Mm. And at some point... Um, Go Romans! <laughs> <laughs> depending if we have time next week, I might talk a little bit about the new Witcher TV series. But there might be some more Mm. tidbits out by then. Um, And if you're any kind of fan, you probably know all of the the details anyway, but we can run through that a little.
0: And uh, I have to say, you know, the shows, sometimes we haven't been able to catch up with them on on Zero G, but Mm. we had a look. I actually am watching um, uh, Penny Dreadful.
1: Oh, what do you think of that? I like Eva Green. Awesome. Yeah,
0: cool. I actually think, oh, gee, I wish I'd seen this sooner. And but Josh
1: Hartnett too, right? Yes. Oh, yes. I used to love him. Back and
0: Timothy Dalton. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm actually watching it thinking, this is like the bloody League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Hmm. It is actually the, uh, the classic... Universal Monsters pastiche
1: mm. that that
0: studio has been trying to pull off for twenty years since and the money and there
1: mummy. it is in this little Net- here it is. tidbit on Netflix yeah you know that's been on my list for a long time maybe I should take a look at
0: that yeah maybe. just watch the first just to start we've just watched <laughs> to start we've watched the first and second episodes okay and that if that doesn't pique your interest nothing will all
1: right it's <laughs> sold I'll take a look
0: that's it for today uh, Finny. <laughs>